Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. It's good to be here uh, today uh, with you, uh, family, uh, Vertical Church family. It's awesome to join with you every Sunday and and just open up um, the Word of God and just uh, reflect on what was written thousands of years ago but is so relevant and so uh, pinpoint accurate to what uh, many of us are going through in our lives. Just to take a few minutes to kind of catch us up to speed with what's uh, been happening in uh, the book of Ephesians so far, uh, we're, we're talking about identity uh, through this summer here at Vertical Church, talking about um, who we are and most uh, directly, more specifically, who we are in Christ. And, and all of us come into the room with um, different kind of uh, expectations of our identity. We get it from somewhere. We get, we get our identity from some place, whether it's from our parents or, or maybe our friends or maybe an old boyfriend or girlfriend uh, said something about you and it just lodged in your heart and, and it's just shaped you and marked you and you've never gotten beyond that. Some of us in the room, we find our identity uh, in what God says about us. Others, we've believed lies about who we are and so that's where we have found our identity. Most of us, in fact, have kind of just a smorgasbord of different voices speaking into our hearts, telling us who we are, different identity ideas kind of just floating around in our head that we tap into from, from time to time. And the goal of this entire series, of this series, Me, Myself, and I, is just to say, God, would you just strip away all of our false identities, all the all the lies that we have believed, all the false senses of, of uh, self-esteem uh, that we have kind of gathered up, and would you just strip it all away until the only thing that we're left with is what you say about us. And so that's why we're looking at the ancient letter of Ephesians. Ephesians is written to a, a church community in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is a what well, was a city. Uh, in modern-day Turkey, a port city, uh, real famous, a lot of people live there, um, pretty, pretty urban of a city, written by a guy named Paul. Paul was uh, a church planter, really. He, he traveled around the area, and he would, he would plant churches and raise up leaders and then, and then move on to, to the next thing that God was leading him to do. And, and he, he planted this church in, in Ephesus, and now he's writing to them to remind them of who they are, that they are Christ's people. They are God's people, of God's unique collection of family on planet Earth. And Ephesians, you know, we, we make a mistake if we read Ephesians and we think it's a solo sport. It's a solo uh, activity, like it's, it's me, my latte, my Bible app, uh, in, the, in the corner of a Starbucks and me and my little notebook, journal, Bible study, all off by myself. It's not the case. Ephesians is not about that. Ephesians is, is written to the church for the church, plural. So, so this is something that we grapple with together. And I just want to kind of start off this morning with a question. Have you ever invited anybody to church? Like, seriously, you don't have to, it's a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer, you don't have to raise your hand, but... Have you ever invited anybody to church? And, and if you did, what were you inviting them to? Like, like what was it? What, what exactly were you inviting them 
too. Around here, we don't call it a church service. We call it a worship experience because we want to emphasize the experiential nature of it. It's not, you don't come here to be served. Uh, we, we come here to serve God, uh, to experience His presence. But, but are you inviting them to an experience? Is, is that what we invite people to when we invite them to church? I've invited people to church. Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. Typically, when they say yes and come, they kind of like it. Uh, we, what, we've, what we've created here by the power of, of God's grace in our lives. He, they, they come and they experience it like, oh, this is, this is great, this is cool. Um, but, but when you invite them, what, what, are you, what are you inviting them to? Like in, in your head, are you inviting them to uh, um, a motivational talk? Are you inviting them to a semi-rock concert? You know, I don't know. What, what are you inviting them to? More, more, more so that, what if they have no idea about church? Like, like in the South, here in Virginia, you know, we, um, we, we kind of live in the Bible Belt. Most people have an idea about church. But what if you encounter somebody that they don't, they don't even know about church? Like, I don't even, what do you do at church? Like, what, what is it about? What, 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 do you, what do you gather together for? What's the purpose? What are you inviting them to if they have no idea what church is? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today because, because that's what Paul uh, hits at here in the passage that we're going to look at. If you have a Bible with you, open it up to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, you can download a free one uh, from the Google Play Store or your, your app store if you're an Apple fan. Um, none of that works for you. That's, that's why we put the scriptures on the screen behind me, and they're also printed on the back of the program. While you're opening your Bible or opening your app on your phone, hey, which, by the way, if you have the app, you can actually really follow along and take notes. It's really cool. Ask somebody beside you how to do that. If they don't know, find a teenager because uh, they, they don't even know about it, and they're like, yeah, I'll figure that for you. Um, hey, if you're not, like, while you're open all that, if you're not plugged into a small group, let me encourage you, man, do that. I had a killer time uh, Friday night. We met over in the region area, the small group that, that my family and I, we went to. And it was just a blast, dude. It was awesome. Like, I hadn't had that much fun since last summer. And uh, it was just a good, good time. We played volleyball. We ate some burgers and hot dogs. Like, seriously, if, you, like, uh, if you're not plugged into a small group, we got small groups uh, happening this summer. And this is the best time because it's all about relationship and talking and hanging out. It's really cool. All right, hopefully by that time, I've given you enough time. You're there, Ephesians chapter 2. If not, you're looking at the screen, verse 11. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, uh, let's just kind of pause right there. We're one word into it, and we're already stopping. Um, I, if you've been around here long, you've heard me make the joke about, you know, the pastor friend in West Virginia gave me the advice. When you read the Bible, son, when you see the word therefore, you've got to find out what it's there for. And so... So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to stop. Therefore, what's it there for? Like, well, therefore, so now we kind of rewind a little bit. What did he just say? Last week we talked about how, how basically we're in a world of hurt without Jesus. We're on a, a path of, of destruction, a, a path that ends in death, and we're already experiencing that. We're dead, and, and Jesus made us alive. He, he says basically, you know, sin... Does not, does not lead us to being bad people. Sin leads us to being dead. <laughs> and so you were dead uh, as you were following a life of sin. And by the grace of God, we've been made alive. So therefore, since you have been made alive by the grace of God, when you were in fact dead, therefore, and here's what he says, remember. Now we could stop there because remembering, <laughs> I promise you it's not going to go this methodically through but these are two really important words therefore 
What's it there for? Remember. Remembering is a really key part of our spiritual life. Because if we don't remember, then we forget. I know, it's like rocket science this morning. If you don't remember, you forget. Yeah. If you don't remember what God has done for you, then you tend to forget. And when you forget, you lose the wonder of what Jesus has accomplished. You lose the wonder of the cross that Jesus died on. You lose the, the desire to proclaim to people, look, there, there's, a, there's a sense that the world is headed towards death. And, and there's this guy, his name's Jesus, and he can make you alive. When you forget, you, f- you forget all of that. When you fail to remember, remembering keeps us in touch with what God has done in our lives. Remembering uh, is, is, is essentially storytelling. It, it makes us sensitive to the needs of mercy and grace for the people that we come in contact with because we remember where we were when Christ saved us, when he made us alive. That's why we encourage you, look, if God is doing something in your life, you need to tell somebody. You need to not only tell somebody, you need to tell us, and we're going to say, hey, can we put that on video so we can show everybody because we just want to continue telling the story of what God is doing in, in lives of men and women. So he says, remember that formerly, in the past, before this, before today, formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, and there's some nuance here that we're going to kind of get into, by those who call themselves the circumcision. Which is done by, in the body by human hands, which we know. Um, so what's the deal? Like, uh, he opens this up and he says, look, I need, you to, I need you to remember something. I need you to remember that you, formerly, you used to be Gentiles. And, and when you were a Gentile, they, they called you uncircumcised. And you know who did it? The circumcised. The, well, what's the deal? Well, In that culture, in the Jewish culture of that day, um, circumcision was a sign that you were in God's family, that that you were on the in crowd, that you had been accepted, that you were ethnically Jewish, and you had the marks to prove it. Not trying to get too crude or, 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 you know, mental pictures, but just that's what he's talking about. And if you are uncircumcised, which Gentiles were, nobody's going to do that willingly, you know, Gentiles, they were uncircumcised, so they were outside of God's family. So the Jews circumcised in. We're the in crowd. We're, we're in God's family. We are marked by God. We're, we're part of the in group. Gentiles, you're not marked. You're outside. You're outcasts. And so, so this hostility developed between Jews and Gentiles in, in that culture, in that worldview. The entire world was separated into those two groups. If you were not a Jew, you were a Gentile. And hostility and bitterness and conflict between these two groups was apparent and and evident. Like they didn't like each other. Jews thought that that Gentiles were going to make them dirty because they weren't Jews. And Gentiles thought the Jewish people were just weird. Why would you associate with them? They're just bizarre. They they don't have a, they, they, they didn't think they had a God because they only worshiped one God. They, we have all kinds of gods, and they just have one. They're just odd and strange. We don't associate. So there was all of this conflict and animosity and name-calling between these two groups of people. That's what Paul literally means when he says, look, they called you uncircumcised. They're called the circumcision. This is the names of their groups, names of the teams, right? Like, like pro sports teams, these are the nicknames. You nickname people who you either really like 
or you really hate. You know, we all have, we all are culturally aware of negative, derogatory nicknames in our culture. We've all heard them. We've all experienced them. That's what Paul's talking about here. It's a derogatory nickname that's offensive and vile and dirty. That's what they call it. Like you were the, you were uncircumcised, and the circumcision called you. So hostility was just on full. They didn't like each other. They didn't associate with each other. Haves were on one side. Have-nots were on the other. And literally, in the Jewish temple, the place of worship, they had a wall Gentiles could not cross. It, was, it separated them. They said, all right, if you're a Gentile, you can get this close, and you have to stay away. Only Jewish people can go on in because they're part of the in crowd, and you're not. You're an outcast. You're an outsider. You're not welcome on the inside. And so the Gentile people, Ephesian Gentiles, man, they had two problems. They were spiritually dead. They were, they, they were separated from God, but they weren't just separated from God. They were also on the outside of the people of God. They were separated from God, but they were also on the outs with the people of God. They were not from the right family. They didn't have the right heritage they didn't they didn't have they didn't look at their family tree and see Abraham and 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 Isaac and Jacob no no Moses or David no covenant no promises of God nothing like that and so the prevailing attitude even after Jesus has ascended into heaven is that is that Jews believed and and still thought that Gentiles if they were going to enter into this family of God they had to become Jews which meant a surgery the entire book of Galatians is written about that. Seriously, read the book of Galatians. That's what the entire thing is about. Like, you don't have to be circumcised to be part of the family of God. That's what Paul's saying. And, and so, you're like, this is an odd sermon, Pastor Josh. Yeah, I know. It's starting weird, isn't it? Um, imagine, uh, let's just kind of, you know, you don't have to close your eyes. I'm going to close my eyes. Imagine you're part of this church, and you're a, you're a Gentile. We're all Gentiles in this room, mostly, I guess. I don't know if any of you are ethnic Jews. You haven't said anything. Um, Imagine you're part of this church. You're, you're a Gentile. It's the first century. You live in Ephesus. You're excluded. You are, you are cast out. You are, you are not welcome in the Jewish community. You've never heard about God. You've never heard about His faithfulness. You've never heard about the miracles that He's performed. You've never heard about the Red Sea or the Ten... You don't have any of that. You, you just, you're just not familiar with any of that. No Moses... You know, no, not, no prophets. And then all of a sudden, somebody tells you about this guy named Jesus. There's a guy named Jesus, man. He wants to change your life. And you, 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 you feel it, and your, your eyes are open, and you're made alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you, you, you begin coming into this community, and you discover that there is a story that dates back to the beginning of time. And you're, you're, you're hearing all about this legacy and, and Moses and the Exodus. We were, our, our people were enslaved in Egypt and Moses led us out. And, and Jacob and, and Father Abraham. And he had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And you know what? I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And they sing that song and, and you think, but wait a second. Am I? Am I really a son of Abraham? Because when I look at my family tree, Abraham's not there. I, when, when I look back, he's not in, in my legacy. Am I really in 
or am I second class in this community? Am I really part of the in crowd? Am I really part of the family? Or am I still an outsider? Look, you don't even have to be from the first century to understand what Paul is talking about, this feeling. Maybe, maybe, maybe you fell in love with Jesus. You weren't from a church background. You didn't grow up in church. You didn't grow up with, you know, VBS and Awanas and Wednesday night family training hour. You don't know anything about all that stuff. You come to know Jesus and he's, he, he has radically changed your life and, and, and you walk into a room like this with people that, that are good people, well-meaning people, but sometimes it seems like they are talking a different language. They tell stories that you just don't connect with. You're like, I don't really understand. You, you find yourself around people maybe who have been in church for so long that they have forgotten what it's like to not be in church. And so they talk about great preachers that they listen to. And they grew up watching on television great men and women of God. They talk about podcasts that they download and listen to. And, and books that they're reading by these, by these pastors. And you just kind of like, I don't, I don't understand. Or they talk about stories when they grew up going, you know, like I said, VBS or, or church camp or lock-ins or, or I, I saw this happen. I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I saw people running over top of the pews in cowboy boots and people were all swinging from chandelier. And you look at them and you think, I love Jesus, but I don't get any of this. I kind of feel second class. Because I don't... I don't have that part of my story. If you've, ever, if, you've, if you've ever felt that way, if you can identify with that, then you can identify with the people Paul is writing to. Have you ever, have you ever had that feeling that when you're in this group of people and they all seem to share a common experience except you, you're like, gosh, it feels kind of lonely. <laughs> You know, it's one thing to be, it's one thing to, to, to be out with God. I mean, that's terrible. That's awful. But what if you're not out with God, but you're still out with God's people? That's a lonely place to be. That is a fright. It's just, and the Ephesians needed a reminder. They needed a reminder of this. Look, you used to be, and he says this. He says in verse 12, he says, there are five things that were true about you. Look what he says. Verse 12, he says, Remember, I want you to remember this. Remember it. Lodge it in your brain. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. You, were, you, were, you had no Messiah. No one was, the, the, the word Christ there is, is related to the Hebrew word Messiah, which means Savior. No one was coming to save you. He said, I want you to remember this. You were separated from Christ. No one was coming to your rescue. You were headed on the path of destruction and death, and no one was coming to save you. He says you are separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were you were alienated from God's people. You were you were an outsider. You had no family to call home. You could not walk in and and everybody welcome you and open arms and warm and hey, how you doing? No, you know, you were you were excluded. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. That means you, there was no inroad for you to experience what God had promised. There, there was no 
but one day. If you read through the Old Testament, you see this occurring theme that, that God continues to tell His people, but one day, there's coming a day, the day of the Lord will come and, and everything will be changed. And everything will, but for you, there was no one day. You were a foreigner. You were a strange. You were, you were outside of the covenant, outside of the promise. And look what he says, the fourth thing. He says, you were without hope. Listen, that's a bad place to be. This is not good. You can, you can survive tough times if you have hope. Like, like things can be crashing and, and, and crumbling around you, but if you have hope, you can hang on. But, but, but if you have no hope, if you, if you have no, no thought that anybody's coming to rescue you or to save you, if there's no chance, no change, you just give up. If you, look, so many people want to diagnose the problem of our culture. Like, what's the problem? Have we lost our morals? We, this generation has lost their values and principles. No, they don't have hope. That's the problem. The problem is that the church somewhere stopped preaching hope and started preaching uh, do this and live like this and look like this. That's the problem. The problem is that, that we have a generation who's hopeless. They have no hope. And the church is the greatest hope in the world, and yet we're not preaching hope. We're preaching like condemnation and destruction, and you better turn. And, and, and where's the like, like, without hope? And look what he says: you not only without hope, but without God, which is real interesting because the Ephesians had dozens of gods. Like they had more gods than you could shake a stick at. Like, like they had gods coming out of everywhere. Like you just you make one up every day. Hey, there's a new god. All right, we'll worship that. It's and he's not saying they had no gods. He's saying you were without the one true God. You were without a relationship with the creator of the world. And he says, I want you to know that formerly, remember this, remember this, formerly, that's who you were. Which is so encouraging to me, man. Because it tells me that, 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 that he's saying formerly, not presently, not today, formerly, that's who you were. Not permanently, formerly. There's something that changed. And that's what happens in verse 13. Look at this. This is an awesome, like this is just killer. He says, he says, I want you to remember this. You were out with God. You were out with God's people. You had no hope, no God, nothing. And he says, but now. That's, those, are, those are two really good words. Like, like you either got to amen the but or nod to the but. Whatever you got to do, you got to affirm the but. <laughs> but now. That, that is incredible. It seemed hopeless. You were without hope and without God, but now. You, you, were, you were in a bad situation. You were dead, but now. Something changed. Something shifted. There was no new day, and all of a sudden, a new day becomes possible. But now, in Christ Jesus, not in a church, not in a denomination, not in a religious structure, in Christ Jesus in this man he says but now in Christ Jesus look at this this is you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ he says he says I want you to remember even though you were out with God and out with God's people he came and he brought you near because that's what God does God, God finds people who are far and he brings them near. As, as God's people here at Vertical Church, that's what we do. We find people who are far from God and we point them to Jesus Christ because we can't bring them near. 
We don't have that kind of power. All we can do is say, hey, there's a guy named Jesus. I know you're far. Let me point you to him and he'll bring you near. So we invite them to come near through the power of Jesus Christ. Because this is something I want you to remember. Because God specializes in spanning the distance between far and near. How far is too far? How far is it between far and near? Like, is there a distance that's too great? How do you measure far and near? Listen, if he can span the distance between heaven and earth, he can find you and me right where we're at today, even if we are far. And he can bring us near. How does he do this? Look what he says, verse 14. He says, for he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, what two groups? The Jews, the Gentiles, people who hated each other, hostility, uh, uh, animosity, hatred, betray. They hate he's brought the two groups and he's made them one. And he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. You know what we're really good at as human beings? Building walls. We're awesome at it. We are incredible wall builders. And listen, the Jews and Gentiles built walls to keep each other out. But we, we still have that tendency in the church today. We're master wall builders. Listen, you're in, you're out. You don't look like us. You don't talk... You don't believe like us. Oh, you're homosexual. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to come to our church. We don't affirm that kind of lifestyle. You're out. We're master of all. Oh, you're Baptist. Well, we're Pentecostal here. You're out. Right? Oh, you're Reformed? We'll believe that. You're out. We are master wall builders. Oh, you're not here in our country legally? You can't come to our church. Wall builders. Wall built. That's all. That is what we are awesome at. And yet Christ comes and He says, I'm going to tear down every wall that you try to construct to keep people out. I'm going to rip down every barrier. You construct it and I'll tear it down because I am peace. That's what He says. He says, I'm going to tear down the wall. I'm going to rip it out. I'm not going to deal with this in, out. You're good. You're not good. We're in. We're out. He's No, no. Tearing it down. I'm putting up with it anymore. For too long, my family have have been separated and divided about laws and regulations and commands. It's not about that. I will will take care of every hoop and hurdle. I'll fulfill it all and then wipe it out. No more more jump. no No more hoops to jump to. No more. No more walls. Christ's vision is for a church that has no walls. No, no divisions. No dividing walls. Do they look different? Absolutely. Do they have different beliefs? Sure, but this is the same family. Are there people in who don't really know Jesus? Yep. Are there people in who aren't really living for Jesus? Absolutely, because we don't have walls. We don't try to, It is not up to us to separate. It is up to us to harvest. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just sow seed. For so long, man, I have been under, I, I have stressed myself out for too long. Because, because it's like, God, how can we get the most fruit? And God finally told me, He said, your job is not to have fruit. Your job is to sow seed. 
You can't make stuff grow. You are a seed planter, period. I'll water it and I'll make it grow. And when it comes time to harvest, harvest. Well, God won't, if I sow, if I sow, if I plant seeds in the ground, won't weeds come up at the same time? Yep. We'll take care of that. I, I'll take care of that. You just sow. You sow seed. Well, why? Because Josh, my church has no walls. Everybody's welcome. Seriously, God? Yeah. Everybody. I don't care. Everybody's welcome. So what he says, he says, I have come and declared that through me, Jesus is saying, you can have peace with God. Peace is, a, is this idea of, of complete wholeness. Complete, complete uh, well-being in Christ. He says, I am the peace. That's just so beautiful because, because he doesn't say he himself is the peace giver. You know what I'm saying? Like, does Jesus give peace? Absolutely. But that's not what Paul says here. He doesn't say he himself is, is the peacemaker. Does he make peace in your life? Sure he does. But that's not the emphasis here. Paul says he is the peace, which tells me that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Like, like you can have peace anywhere as long as you have Jesus. You can have peace in any situation. Peace is not determined by, by people's opinions of you because, listen, they'll think really highly of you on Monday, but by Wednesday they're ready to throw you under the bus. So your peace cannot be contingent upon what they think about you. Your peace cannot be contingent upon your circumstances. Tuesday, you'll be on top of the roller coaster. But on Thursday, you'll find yourself sucking G's at the bottom and about to black out. <laughs> so peace cannot be contingent upon your circumstance. Peace cannot be, cannot be contingent upon your financial status. Somebody say amen. One day, stocks are up. Next day, bam, they hit the... They, they, they went below the basement. Like, they went to the footer of the house. Lost it all. Still got peace. Why? Because I still have Jesus. Because he says he himself is our peace. And look what, the results of this idea are just mind-blowing. He says the two groups have become one. There's no more insider and outsider, just new. Commentators say that, that basically Paul's saying that God created a new humanity. In Jesus. This is what, the, the, that in this perspective, you had a Jewish humanity and a Gentile humanity, and he didn't mix the two together. He just created something new through Jesus Christ. It's like a third human, third way of being human, is, is what like Bible scholars say Paul's talking about. He, he's saying, no more we were and we weren't, just we are. No more, no more, well, I come from a good family. Well, I come from the worst family ever, just a new family. We, we come from a new family. No more, no more, well, 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 we were, you know, we were Baptists. Well, well, we were, you know, beer drinking partiers, you know, we were, we were hell raisers. We were, we were, we were heathens and, 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 and restraining order receivers. <laughs> no, no more, just new. No more, I want you to remember, that's who you used to be. But something has shifted. Something has changed. Christ has made you alive. Christ has made you a new humanity. 
Not, not, not anymore. It's just one new people. And why has he done this? Look, that's what he says the rest of verse 15. He says, he says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus, making peace. Making peace. How do you take people who are bitterly opposed to each other, who hate each other, then you just make them one. <laughs> you're, you're, you're one new humanity now. Now there's peace. And look what he says. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came, listen, this is, he came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. You know what I call this? An all-skate. <laughs> you remember that time, like, you go to skate night? You have couple skate, single skate, backwards skate. I couldn't, I never could do backwards skate. You know, this is all-skate. Everybody's on the floor. It didn't matter if you're far. didn't matter if you were near. Because here's the reality. Maybe you're like, well, Pastor Josh, I grew up in church. I'm a good person. I've always known Jesus. I gave my life to him when I was seven years old. Signed the car, got baptized that day. I've never sinned a day in my life. That's awesome. Great. Cool. You were still dead. Like, that's, that was your life. You were dead. You were dead. Separated. Even though you may have been near. Even though you may have grown up on the sixth, on, on, on the sixth row of the church pew. You know, you were still dead. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if you were two feet away or 22,000 feet away. Peace had to be preached to you. It's the same access by one spirit. It's, it's the same grace. It's the same mercy. It's the same love. It's the same spirit. It's the same access. We don't, we don't, uh, there's no detour around Jesus. You go through Jesus. In Christ, we have access to the Father by one spirit. The same spirit brings us all home. Have you ever... Have you ever been gone for a long time and you go home and it feels like home? You know what I'm saying? Like, does, does that make sense? Like, you walk in and it might not even be a physical house, but maybe a group of friends that you meet up at Starbucks. But, but when you get in there, you're like, home. That's what, that, that's what Paul's talking about. Home. Look what he says. We'll close it. We'll wrap it up. You know that's a lie. But anyway. Um, Verse 19, consequently, as a result of this, because Jesus is our peace and he has brought the two groups together and he's made one new humanity, because of this, look what he says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. No longer. But you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. The word household, you know what that is? Family. You're members of God's family. You know what church is? Church is a family. Church is this this multi-ethnic, multi-generational people that wouldn't sit beside each other on the subway station, but they'll come and worship Jesus together. It's it's walls that divide people. You're a Democrat. Well, you're a Republican. Well, you're the reason our world is is crumbling. No, you are. No, 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 no. Wall down. We all love Jesus wall down no more name calling 
No more finger pointing. No more you're in, you're out, you're, you're welcome, you're not. No, no, no. We're all in the family together. Listen, in God's family, you'll never be rejected as an outsider. That's what Paul's saying. I want you to remember who you used to be. Used to be separated from Christ. Used to be excluded. Used to be a foreigner to the covenants and the promises. You were without hope and without God. But not anymore. Because Jesus has made peace. Peace with God and peace with the people beside you. He's made peace. So you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and you're part of God's family. In God's family, He invites you in. In God's family, you belong. In God's family, there are no, there are no strangers, no outcasts in this family. No, no uncles that we don't talk about and we try to leave out of the family portrait. No. We... It's the kind of family, it's the kind of community that God is creating. It's the kind of people that that He's bringing together, welcoming. No walls, no divisions, no separations. Are we diverse? Absolutely. We don't all look like each other. We don't act like each other. Are there differences? You better believe it. But it's the same family. Do we come from different nationalities, speak different languages, have different preferences? Absolutely. But there are no prejudices. Black, white, it's all good. Male, female, no prejudices here. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets to share in the peace that Jesus is making. No no walls to try to keep. Man, we've done that for so long in the church. Just trying to keep people out. Why? Well, because they're going to make our church unholy. Absolutely. Can't make can't make something unholy that God has made holy. We don't, we don't make the church holy, y'all. It's the presence of Jesus that, that separates us. And if the presence of Jesus is what separates us, some, somebody like, that looks different than you and, you know, is a horrible, you know, headed the path of destruction, they're not going to make the thing unholy. Can't. They don't have that kind of power. So when you invite somebody to church, what you're inviting them to. Hey, I want you to come with me and experience a community where there are no walls. Look, I know you don't feel like you fit in. I know that you feel like an outcast and an outsider and you think that the place is going to crumble if you walk in and people are going to stare and point fingers and call names, but not here because this is the church. No walls at the church. No separation at the church. No, no lines of demarcation at the church. We're all family. You come in, you're, you, you're welcomed. Listen, there's a guy in Nashville, he's a pastor of a church, named Pete Wilson. He, he has this kind of catchphrase at his church that I thought was so appropriate for this passage. Now, I kind of altered it a little bit. And I, I just want you to like, Let this lodge down. Like, if you don't remember anything, like, this is what I hope you remember today. Church is the family where everyone is welcome. No walls, no barriers, no animosity, no you're in, you're out, no outcast. Everybody's welcome because nobody's perfect. We were all dead. You were dead. I was dead. 
If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd still be dead. So nobody's perfect. But anything is possible. See, this is not, some of you right now, you're already you're kind of like itching in your seat because you think, is Pastor Josh preaching? Like we have no, we have no like standards and morals and we don't, we don't have any convictions and beliefs and it's just, a, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying everybody's welcome here because none of us are perfect. But because of Jesus Christ, anything's possible. You can be changed. I can be changed. I haven't arrived yet. Listen. And you and your pride, you haven't arrived either. Thinking you're better than all of us. I'm thankful that everyone's welcome here because that means I get to come. Be a part of it. I'm glad nobody acts like they're perfect because, man, if you did, I would not, I would feel out, I'd feel like an outcast because I am far from perfect. But because of Jesus, man, anything is possible. Let's, let's finish the let's finish this out. He says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, which means everything rises and falls on Jesus. Does it rise and fall on my shoulders or your fault? Your, your, your shoulders. It all rises and falls on Jesus. That's why we say around here, it all, it's all about Jesus. Like, like you got marriage problems? All right, well, well, let's see what Jesus says about your marriage. You got kid problems? Well, what does Jesus say about your kids? You got financial issues, suffering, poverty, your job? All right, well, let's start with Jesus. Let's look, let's see Jesus. Let's get an encounter with Jesus. And he'll make a difference in the rest of you because everything rises and falls on him. And then Paul says, in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul says that when church has no walls, when the family of God is welcoming and open and, hey, come on in, experience the presence of God, this is free for everybody, that we become the dwelling place in which God himself lives by the spirit of God that God makes us a new community and that community of people is where God dwells. There's nothing like the church in all the world. There's nothing like it. When we come together, God is here with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, reminding us that we have peace with God through Jesus and we have peace with each other through the blood of Christ. When we invite people to church, that's what we're inviting them to. All the barriers are removed here. You're free to experience the presence and spirit of God move among his people. Can you imagine if that's what we're inviting people to? Hey, man, I know your life feels hopeless. Come to a place where there's no boundary on hope. Man, I know that right now you feel lonely and isolated. Come experience a group of people who will will welcome you just like you are because they don't think they're perfect. But in Jesus, anything's possible. What if that's what we were inviting people to? What if that's the reputation the church had in our world? Rather than being, you, you heard us say it time and time again, rather than being a place that is against everything, what if we just been known as a place that, like, we're for people, we're for Jesus making a difference in people's lives, and we just want to point you to Jesus. We don't have any walls. We're letting Christ take. And the walls that he uncovers and says, hey, you got a wall here. All right, Jesus, knock it down. What if that was church? And what if that's what we were inviting people to? 
Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, as we kind of just uh, look over this passage and we see what Paul was saying to the Ephesian Christians, God, it, it's so powerful and relevant to our life here today. God, I pray right now that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just do a work in our lives where we have constructed walls to keep people out, to keep people out of our life, to keep people out of our family, to keep people out of our church. We've constructed a wall, a a barrier. Jesus, would you tear it down? And Lord, when, when, when this place is filled with people that formerly would have would have gotten under our skin and made us nervous, would you fill us with the same mercy that you saved us with? Would you fill us with the same grace that you transformed our lives with? Would you remind us that, that we were dead too? Even though we may have been near, we were dead. And you've made peace. Don't let us forget, Jesus. the chief cornerstone of this building of this community of this family and by your grace and by your Holy Spirit would you would you teach us how to live like that open arms open hearts welcoming no barriers come experience the Lord for he will draw near to you He is good. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.